Welcome to episode 10 of SNY.TV's Meet the Mets cast. I'm Matt Cerrone. I'm joined by Steve Hofstetter and usually Rob Render, who is apparently a no-show. So I don't know if that means we need to suspend him three games, uh, Steve, or how <laughs> that works, uh, a la Harvey. But he's uh, hopefully he will be joining us at some point. If not, we'll catch up with him again next week. Uh, first up, before we get rolling, here's your friendly weekly reminder that this show will be available as part of the SNY.TV Mets podcast feed, along with my Mets blog Q&A cast, uh, Feedback Friday, and other great Mets audio content. You got to check it out. So search for SNY Mets in the iPhone podcast app or whatever app you use to listen to your podcast and definitely subscribe to the feed. If you haven't already, rate us, drop in a review, let us know how we're doing. So, Steve, how's it going? Uh, it's going well. I, I was happy about the results yesterday. Uh, of the game, it, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, look, I did not enjoy the shades of Luis Castillo with the yeah, pop-up. Yeah, that's all I'm... But, yep, yep, yep. but at the same time, like, when's the last time you saw a Mets game go into extra innings and were, like, happy? Yeah, <laughs> you know? I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it was... Uh, yeah, it was uh, the Castillo thing was rough. Um, my first thought was Rosario. That was the first thing that went through my mind, not even the game, which I guess tells where my head well, is at. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Everybody keeps saying that, but like, yeah, A, Cabrera has been hitting well as of late, and B, doesn't Rosario have nine errors in the minors? He does. Oh, it's no guarantee. I- I'm not even saying that it was. It would have made a difference. I'm just, I'm just saying that's the first thing that went through my head. I think that's more. that says more about me than either player. Is what it's I'm an saying. error. Yeah, it's. I mean, those happen. Like the best, the best fielders of all time had errors. So yeah. it it happens. Like was it a was it a bonehead play? Absolutely. Did it happen to come in a bad situation? Absolutely. Like if he dropped that ball with no one on, nobody mm-hmm. would have cared. So you know, I think the people calling for Cabrera's head and bring me Rosario. It's like just for what the bench to get eight at bats. Like quit it. Nah, I would move. Well, yeah, I'd move Cabrera to third and uh, let Rosario play short because I think it's a better overall infield. But it's a conversation for a different day. I guess the the yeah. the other positive is Michael Conforto, who's been continues to just be outstanding, even after having a little bit of a slump and you kind of worried a little bit. Then he turned it around again. Uh, same with Jay Bruce, frankly. So, I mean, they've been a bright spot. Conforto. It's interesting. He everybody you listen to any talk radio, uh, you know, nationally, not not New York, uh, other markets. And they're, they're all talking about Conforto and whether he can be on the all star team. And then they realize he's not on the ballot. And there's always this this nice conversation about it. So, uh, I mean, just real quick on your take on Conforto. I mean, you think he's he's the guy he's the Mets Mets representative. Uh, well, I mean, I think so. It's, you know, that rule that every team has a representative, you know, I like to call that the Mike Williams six ERA rule mm-hmm. uh, because when he was I, when was it, it was ninety uh, ninety one maybe I don't know yeah. when when the Pirates needed an All Star and Mike Williams had I think it was like a six three one ERA it was uh, I believe the technical term for it is disgusting uh, he was the <laughs> one so yeah. it happens uh, you know Conforto legit deserves to start. So I, I think that even though he's not going to get voted in because, you know, not enough fans are going to write him in, um, I, you know, I think he will he will make the team and deservedly so. When you look back at other examples of lone Mets representatives, our, our producer extraordinaire Jeff Goldman put together 
quick list of, of David Cohn in 92, Bonilla in 93, Saberhagen in 94, Bonilla in 95. That speaks a lot about those early 90s. Uh, yeah. Then Piazza 02, Benita is 03, and then Daniel Murphy just recently in, in 14. When you when you look at those, you, you realize, well, that, those were some rough years. Um, and so it kind of makes sense. This year, it's a, it, it seeing Conforto in this sort of spotlight, it only... I feel like shines a spotlight on the fact that Cespedes isn't really, you know, doing anything to be eligible or considered, I guess, Cinderguards out from all these other guys that should have been probably on the ballot or pushing the ballot or at the very least considered as, as a reserve aren't even in the conversation because of the injuries. Well, I think, I think there are a couple of guys on the bubble. If you look statistically, like I don't think, I don't think DeGrom is that far out. You know, I don't sure. think, Bruce is that far out. So it's it's the kind of thing where, like, look, a, a hot month from either of those two, and suddenly they're back in the conversation. So sure. I it's not as bleak as the uh, as the early 90s was. Um, I had, uh, up until you brought that up, I had forgotten the Mets were a team in the early 90s. So it's nice to yeah. – nice for that little reminder. Uh, um, Benia, but, then Saberhagen, then Benia. Imagine that. Benia, yeah. Saberhagen, Benia. Think about it. Yeah, uh, I don't want to. Um, the worst part, by the way, about like everybody, the running joke is that Bonilla contract. The you know yeah. the idea that the Mets are, pay, are still paying him. It yeah, wasn't even the first contract. It was the second time they signed him. That was the most ridiculous part because like he, he there's he should not have been re-signed, let alone re-signed for eternity. So uh, it's it's it was sad. But yay, Conforto. Yay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there you go. Right, right. <laughs> Spirals into the negative. What can you do? Um, yeah. The other story, the other off-field story that, that got our attention this week uh, was this Tom Seaver rant on, on velocity and, and, you know, Mets pitching, just pitching in general, really. I mean, it was a story. It was sort of like, a you know, uh, the old timer. It reminded me a lot of, of when Namath comes out and starts criticizing the Jets for some reason. But the the thing with Seaver, and it was an article in the Daily News, which if you haven't read, you could I mean just search Seaver Daily News and Velocity and you'll probably find it. And he just kind of goes off on this, you know, and look, all due respect to Tom Seaver, obviously, but I mean he comes across like just a crotchety kind of out of touch old man kind of fan just barking about, you know, oh, in my day, this. And, like, it just, I don't know, it just left a bad taste in my mouth when I think about Tom Seaver. That's not really what I want to think about, you know? Look, all right, I I, I don't have anything <laughs> against Bill Madden, but, my God, was that a horrible article. That was, that was, bas- I mean, even, like, the opening of it, if you haven't, for the listeners, if you haven't read this, you owe it to yourself. <laughs> you owe it to yourself to take five minutes and just and just gag your way through that article because yeah. even the beginning of like he's he's I feel like he was trying to write like the opening scene for the sequel to Eat Pray Love like it was <laughs> okay. so ridiculous that. well just the idea of like trying to set the scene I'm just, I'm going through his vineyard and he was like look what the cat dragged in mm-hmm. it's like uh, it's Basically, the opening was like Bill was like, be like, we're fr- I'm friends with Tom Seaver. Right, guys? Right, guys? I'm friends with Tom Seaver. And it was just – it was so – it was so ridiculous yeah. and self-serving. And the thing that you said yeah. about it because basically he kept talking about how like, oh, these guys just need to learn how to pitch. And they need to concentrate on velocity. And I, and, you know, and I stopped watching the game when people stopped throwing complete games and it's not the same way it was. And, you know, one of the things that you said before we started recording that I very much agree with is all of that would be valid criticism if he still watched baseball. Right. Exactly. But he doesn't. 
And the look, other, I know, love yeah, I love Tom Seaver and let me let me say this and and say that one of the one of the best pitchers of all time, the best we've ever had. But by god, old man. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. watch a game before you criticize it. Well, and and understand the con- look, I, and and that's a thing. Like I it's like I'm sure you've had these conversations with, you know, other old people, <laughs> maybe you're related to them, maybe you're not, where like they just don't have the context for everything that's going on in their put they're putting it in the in the context of when they experience whatever it is they're talking about and like I'm sure I do that you know with my you know wife's cousins who are 15 and like I don't know what the hell they're they're it's going on but I'm still opining on whatever it's it's it always happens but like in a case of Seaver like you know this is not how the game is structured it's just not the case and like with all you know Tommy John surgeries all these things it's those that all those injuries occurred you know, 30, 40 years ago, they just didn't have the surgeries to repair it. Those guys were out of the game. They just stopped pitching after three seasons and they disappeared. Like, it's not like they cracked the code. They just ran their guys into the ground when they had them because there were less teams and less roster spots. And it was just easier. And that's not where we are now. And it's like, okay, you know, and look, I'm doing it now. I mean, why does it even matter? I don't even know why I'm getting worked up about what Tom Seaver says. I, I love the fact, like you said, of what he did for the organization, but what he's saying now has absolutely zero bearing on, uh, what's going on in reality? Well, I'm gonna show I would. I, I also like the idea of like, well, we didn't need to pitch 100 miles an hour. It's like, okay, uh, okay. Put put Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton in 1978. <laughs> right. See see about that. You know, yeah. because the, the guy idea, that was mowing lawns during the off season and you know had a beer belly on opening day. Yeah, I, I think you know 100 miles an hour probably wasn't necessary. You're probably right, Tom. Yeah, just the the idea of like the because they'll look at it and and this is something that a lot of the you know the old timey guys are guilty of, the idea of they look at the competition as what it was then, but it's not. People get better as an industry goes on. You know, if you look at, I mean, even in my even in my industry in comedy, like if you look at Lenny Bruce, he had a punchline once every five minutes. Because that's all he needed to have. But now the game has changed. Yep. And so – and that's the same thing with baseball. Like the idea people are throwing harder and they are hitting farther and it is a different game than it used to be. But let's call Tom Seaver. <laughs> so anyway. Um, let's give him again, a call. I, let's I, give him a call. I, do you think I that love- – oh, do you think that Bill Madden's uh, thing about how he talked about the, the vineyard so much with – by the way, what a great commercial – for Tom, all, I think that's Tom Seaver talks about, by the way. And again, I, I don't I feel bad like crapping on Tom Seaver because like, again, he's a, he's a legend and like he means everything to the Mets. And I get it as a franchise. But yeah, no, that's all Seaver does is talk about wine. Well, I actually think that Bill Madden and Seaver are not friends. And Seaver only agreed to do the article if Bill Madden would write a lot about his wine, because that just read like an advertisement for Tom Seaver's vintages. But that said, I'm wondering if there was a little too much drink before having this conversation, which yeah, would ex- which would explain both Seaver forgetting about how the game has changed and Madden thinking that this is a decent thing to write. I have no idea. To, to pivot into I, I mean, we gotta stop. We gotta stop. I, I don't all think right, we're helping right. ourselves. I'm, be, I'm, be, I'm being a little Seaver. savage at this point. Yeah. But so, look, <laughs> all right. I love you, Tom Seaver. You're you wonderful. Yes. It was a very exactly. silly article. Bingo. Um so to pivot into what I think is a is an interesting idea is this, you know, 
Seaver in his prime was, you're right, amazing. And even some of his best seasons weren't even considered his best seasons. Like, he's pretty remarkable. I, I wrote a lot about him in, in the book I just put out, um, that's Bucket List book, which, you know, I learned a ton about him that I wasn't completely aware of. And I'm, I'm more impressed. That said, you also have, you know, his, the other Hall of Famer, the other, you know, his, his sort of the yang to his yin, which is uh, Mike Piazza as a catcher, amazing catcher in his prime, awesome, all that he did with the Mets. And so we were bat batting around the other day, this idea of like, if you were to pick one of the two in their prime on this team, who would you take? Would you take Seaver in his prime or would you take Piazza, the catcher in his prime? Uh, on this particular team, I would take Piazza. And the reason for that is because the pitchers are coming back, but the upgrade to, because if you have Seaver at his prime, who are you trading? Um, if you have Piazza at his prime, the upgrade from, and look, Rivera's having a good season and Darno's doing pretty well too, but with the upgrade to catcher, I mean, that's, that would be astonishingly different. Hmm. It, yeah. I, I think I, I mean, I'd love to have Piazza's bat in the lineup, but to me that getting that heavyweight you know, give me Seaver's best season and give me that heavyweight in the rotation, especially in the absence of Syndergaard. Um, plus, I'd love to see Tom Seaver as a teammate of Matt Harvey. I just think that would be such an awesome pairing. Do we get wait? Do we get young Tom Seaver or old yeah, Tom Seaver personality-wise? We, we get Foxhole. Uh, you know, Gil Hodges inspired Tom Seaver. You know, yeah. riding shotgun with Matt Harvey every day, I think would be tremendous. Um, so that I think more than anything, like that story, I just think would be fun. And I, you know, plus I love pitching. I'm always going to go with the pitch. Who do you? So who do you trade? Uh, to get Tom Seaver? Uh, no, I mean when you have the the pitchers oh, are coming oh, back, you don't you don't hold on to everybody. Oh come on, you know someone's getting hurt. Something's going to happen. I'm not trading anybody. Yeah, but no, <laughs> come on. You have the you have the value at that point. You know, like what do you? Do you trade? I mean, look, you're not going to get rid of Syndergaard or DeGrom. Um, Harvey would actually be interesting because, you know, it's one of those things where is he going to resign? He's the first one to, to go free agent, you know, of them. And so because he has the most service. So is he going to resign? Probably not. Um, so maybe you trade him to get some value before he goes. Or maybe you trade one of the younger guys like a like a Matt's you know, someone like that so that you can potentially get more value. It, that's a really, that's a really hard, I mean, look, I wouldn't want to trade any of them, but if you have Seaver, it, you know, it changes in this fantasy world. You do weird things. Yeah, I was going to say, can um, I, can I trade, can I trade Harvey for a hypothetical Ricky Henderson from the A's in his prime? <laughs> <laughs> How about this? I, I like no, where this is going. No, I like team <laughs> as chemistry. As long as we're talking old time, uh, back in the day kind of players, um, you know, who I'm not, I'm not along those lines. Like who, you know, how do you look at the game? Like, what's the thing that you look back on? You're like, you know, something that you missed from when you were growing up that just doesn't happen anymore. And maybe, maybe it's the same thing Seaver's talking about. I have no idea. But like, do you, you know, do you look at the game that way? Do you just sit there and sort of in your rocking chair and it's like, oh, when I was a kid, you know, do you feel that way when you look at the baseball game? I freaking love baseball and I love everything about it. So okay. I don't. But like, if I'm going to be sarcastic about like, oh, things were better. Remember when the Mets never had a hundred RBI season from any player? Remember when hitting 40 home runs was impossible? Remember when 289 was a good batting average? No, <laughs> I remember all those things happening and they sucked. So I'm really excited that we actually have people who can hit the ball now. 
I know. I know. I see what you mean. Uh, it's, it is a little bit of a uh, be careful what you wish for, because like my answer uh, when we were talking about this before was like uh, to me, it's fielding. It's fundamentals. It's sound baseball. I miss, you know, that kind of play on the infield. I harp on it constantly on Mets blog as it pertains to the, the pitching staff that like I just feel like the pitchers deserve and would benefit, especially on this team, having that kind of, you know, defense behind them. But at the same time, you know, it can be kind of boring because it's just three up, three down. It's kind of routine. It just goes along the way. I like that kind of baseball. I like pitching and defense, and I like the sort of strategy that that gets born out of it. But I can understand from a popular uh, marketing kind of thing, you know, one nothing every night. Well, it's it, it look, it's not boring. even that. It's not even that for me. I love small ball. You know, I'm a I'm a big fan of you know moving the runner over and you know. Like I, I like that a lot. I'm, I'll take a, you know, one nothing is an exciting game. You know, maybe two or three nothing might be a little bit better. So there's less of an ulcer, but the, <laughs> yeah. you know, but the idea of not having a single, like the Mets, the Mets record for home runs by a player. Like I mean, I thought David Wright was gonna get it, and now maybe he won't. But like the, it, it's nothing. It's absolutely nothing. The Mets have never had a true home run hitter for more than a couple of seasons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's crazy to me. They're a 50-year-old team. Like, they've been around for a long time. And so to never have that, like, it's nice to have a masher every so often. And that's, you know, that's not something they've really had. Because even even with Piazza, it was a couple of seasons. Even with Strawberry, it was a couple of, you know, Strawberry, I think, is the one, is the team leader. But... Um, they just, they haven't had a big masher for a while. You know, they had Kingman for a little bit, you know, they had like, it's, I, I am, I am fine with how it is now. And you know what? There's not a, there is not a moment in my head ever where I have missed Shea Stadium. (laughs) Like there is not with the except, with the exception of the gaudy, tacky lighted figures on the outside of it, which were kind of just fun to see from the highway. Uh, the, like the idea of going to a ball game, sitting in a more comfortable seat with a better view and good food. Oh, that's, I mean, that is something that we hadn't had growing up. And so I'm there, there is not, I'm not looking at, I wish it were different. No, I'm happy where it is. I'm thrilled. Uh, in case anybody's curious, he's at Steve Hofstetter on Twitter because now after, (laughs) after, after ripping apart Seaver and now Shay, I, I have a feeling, uh, People Look, may want to all, get in, get in touch with you. And <laughs> hold on a second. Hold on, Matt. I own two seats from Shea Stadium. Know, and not I'm just any two it. seats. Not just <laughs> No, because not just any two seats. I bought the red ones because that's the ones I grew up in. I grew up paying $6 to sit in Upper Reserve talking to God about how bad his nosebleed was. Like that's – and that's what brought me to be a Mets fan. Now that said, you don't have to like something just because you were used to it and just because it was old. Like we need to – and this is the mistake that I think some people make as they get older. They start to look at things and go, well, it was better. No, it wasn't better. You were just used to it and you're afraid of change. Change can be awesome. And I'll be the first one to admit I was not a fan of the wild card when they first put it in. And now I freaking love the wild card because without it, baseball would be over in August. And I love the wild card so much. So sometimes you just – you deal with the change. That said – if you put the designated hitter in the National League, I will find you and I will cut you. But everything else I, is, I, bit, I, is great. I'm with you on that. Um, <laughs> Rant over. The other, the other, the other. There you go. 
uh, the other thing that was uh, pretty interesting to see this week was Harvey was Matt Harvey getting the uh, the crown after the game, uh, which I don't know if you caught the photo, but it, it it's priceless because like he I can't tell if he's proud or embarrassed uh, to be wearing it, but it's uh, it's an interesting visual. Um, I also would like to have seen the moment when his teammates gave it to him given sort of the awkwardness that was reported on, you know, a little earlier when he was suspended and all that kind of stuff. Like, it's interesting, and I'm, I'm glad he took it. I'm just – did you see that photo, and, like, what did you see when you looked at it? Uh, I, I mean, I, I saw, like, a – I saw a combination of those two emotions, you know? And I think that that's true for most of the players when they get it because, like, on one hand, you, you're proud to get it. You, you know, you earned it, and you're happy that the team won because you don't get it after a loss – uh, but also, you know, there's a level of like being the special guy in the locker room. It's a team sport. And so it's the, what's it? The tall poppy syndrome where, you know, if a poppy grows too high, you have to cut it down. And so mm-hmm. there's an element of like, no one here should be considered too special. And so there's probably, and that's true that they, they've been dealing with that their whole lives, you know, where they've got to be team players. And so there's probably an element of like, ah, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get carried away with this. I would like to see somebody Photoshop that picture onto like a cover of GQ or something. Cause like, you know, that would just be a nice juxtaposition of, of who he, you know, wanted to be and then sort of where he's at. I think it'd be kind of a funny visual. Um, thanks again, Steve, uh, anywhere going anywhere fun, doing any shows anywhere that people should know about. Oh yeah. Uh, I've got uh, Denver tomorrow. I've got, uh, I've got some New York shows Friday night. I'll be at the Broadway comedy club and at Gotham comedy club uh, at Excellent. the nine o'clock and then the 10 o'clock information on my website and then seattle portland and canada and then a whole bunch of stuff in europe i assume we have a ton of european listeners uh so if if all the european listener uh if if he wants if sven who listens to this in europe we know sven no uh if you if you want to uh if you want to come out to some shows uh come out and see me and if you if you think i'm wrong about about shea stadium about you know and about siever and the back in the day thing uh, and and you can get off your rocking chair and and find your way to some dial-up AOL and wanna you know wanna have your grandkids tweet me a message. Feel free. Perfect. Uh, and if you want to read, this is going to be my opportunity to throw a plug. If you want to read about Jay Stadium and everything I wrote about in my Mets book that I mentioned earlier, it's MatthewStrone.com/slash/MetsBook. And uh, yeah, check out Steve's stuff. You can find it on his site or uh, in the post where this uh, show is on Mets Blog. And Steve, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for this. Was why are we thanking each other? We do this every week. I don't week. know. I know. I don't know. It's just, it's, <laughs> I'm used to doing it with the interview shows. Like and every time it's, I say it, I'm like, what am I doing? All right. See you next week. Once All again, right. find us on See the SMI.tv Mets podcast feed. Search for SMI Mets in the iPhone podcast app or whatever they call it or wherever you listen to your podcast. Again, we'll be back again next week. I should be up on Friday with another Feedback Friday, answering some voicemails. Uh, and with that, thanks for listening. And as always, let's go Mets.